Welcome to the Voice of Truth Radio Show, folks. This is your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. We're the only show in America where you'll experience the fusion of church and state. So we're going to talk about culture, history, current events, bring it from a biblical perspective, lots of stuff going on um, over the weekend. What is today? Today we're recording on the 4th, and uh, we just came out of... Uh, Christmas holiday and a it's New like Year's a Day. a long holiday season. I don't know. It yeah. Was, so. Because uh, it was on a Sunday. Yes. And it's Sunday to Sunday, and it's like you're not going to get anything done that whole time in between. It's always weird because you don't know what day to take off. You I mean, you have yeah. to take a day yeah. off. Oh, yeah. The feds take the Monday off. Yeah. So um, maybe we should concur. I don't know if people did or not. Um, I didn't, but I didn't work the whole day for sure. But uh, anyway, it's quintessentially American Christmas New Year's Day. I guess that's probably a worldwide thing for the most part, except for Islam. I don't think they celebrate uh, the birth of Christ in the Muslim nations. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going to check on it. Tim, can you check on that and uh, email me? Let me know. We're going to talk. Um, so some some crazy things happened. Crazy is the new word. I've noticed one, th- one thing I have observed in, uh, in the culture, Pastor, is that, that when people don't uh, want to call something right or wrong, they'll call it crazy. I hmm. tell you, that's crazy. Um, so I'm not going to use that word. But it's a way of getting out of uh, making an absolutist, moralistic statement. So we it's don't, crazy how crazy. people do that. Huh? Crazy people, <laughs> it's crazy how people are afraid to. That's crazy. I don't want to call it wrong. It's crazy. So you're drinking a uh, Starbucks iced coffee. That is, this is unprecedented. The, you've never brought a iced coffee into. Well, I thought you know, I was going to have some donuts with it today too. Well, so uh, like, yeah, you we know gotta what? Re, we've got to replan our, our celebration, our anniversary celebration. We need to hire a planner because <laughs> we, we were supposed to have. <laughs> yeah, we don't a have two a party year anniversary for our radio show back in November. Wow, <laughs> But we have not done that. We talked about it. Uh, These should be one of our New Year's resolutions. Yes, that this party will take place sometime before our. Next anniversary. It'll be another one that we don't fulfill. (laughs) (laughs) We have a collection of those now. (laughs) I think so. But, um, all right, so we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the football story. I was sitting there um, watching. My wife's a Penn State fan pastor, and I I hesitate to say that publicly. (laughs) I don't like to say it publicly. Yeah. But it shows you how much love I have for my wife and that I let her put Penn State – you're not from West Virginia. If you're from West Virginia, you will learn to despise Penn State, <laughs> which I've done. And I can't, I can't fake it and root for Penn State because my wife does. Now she's much better than I am. She'll root for West Virginia, <laughs> but I, I can't do it. So anyway, we were watching the Penn State game, uh, the bowl game. Penn State won, and, and right after that, the Bengals Bills game came on, and we just, I wasn't even paying attention to it, and um, we just had it on. You know, nobody turned TV off in there. Uh, so I just looked up from what I was uh, reading, and it was still and quiet in the um, 
whole stadium. I thought, well, it, and uh, you know, my stomach started getting sick to the stomach. I thought, uh oh, somebody's, you know, broke their neck or some kind of bad injury. And uh, sure enough, it was. Uh, I forget the what's the boy's name, Tim. Anyway, the the Bills player. Uh, oh man. He wasn't getting up, and everyone circled around him. And you could tell this was even a little bit different than even these bad injuries things. So we're going to talk about that just in a minute and make a few observations about it that I think will be a little bit controversial. But, hey, you know, let's do it. Let's just make some statements about it. It's a big deal. I mean, this is, is. this is a life-or-death kind of moment and how people respond to it and, and what it says about us as a culture. So yeah. I think there's a lot to learn from it. So we'll get to that in just a second. But uh, first I want to talk about just a few lighthearted things. But, uh, you know, folks, if uh, have you been buying eggs lately? Now, Pastor, have you bought eggs? I don't buy the eggs for we, our family, but my wife, every time she comes in from the store, yeah. uh, she complains about egg prices. Yeah. So my wife has a pulse, uh, her fingers on the pulse of the egg prices, the egg prices. grocery prices. I've never Honey, even, everything is going up. I've never even cared before. I mean, I'm one of those guys that I got my list. I go in. I don't look at a price of anything. I just look for the item. I get it in my cart. I scan it. I don't even look at the total, and I put the card in, and I and I leave. I, I just want to yeah. get out of the grocery store, right? But <laughs> right. you know something is off when me, the most unobservant shopper mm-hmm. in the world, notices that, wait a minute, yeah. hey, that's that's not right. So the, These a, eggs are crazy. I'm they you. are. Uh, egg prices hit a record high. Thank you, Pastor. You just gave me my little microphone thing. Can you, do I sound <laughs> I know it was bothering you. Yeah, it was really, uh, really bothered. Egg prices hit a record high and are still going up. So you, you used to go into a store and they'd give you eggs. You know, here, here, take some eggs. We have too many. We don't, well, not literally, but uh, you know what I mean. They're very cheap. Like yeah. A buck a dozen or whatever, two bucks a dozen. Now they're like $5 a dozen. Why? Well, the price of eggs has hit a record high and is not showing any signs of going down in the near future. From November 21 to November 22, as in 2021 to 2022, egg prices jumped 49%. Uh, One of the main reasons for the sky-high inflation has been a deadly avian flu that uh, prompted many large egg and poultry suppliers to have to cull their flocks. I didn't know this. So, it is estimated that 60 million birds were killed and disposed of due to the virus, which is expected to continue infecting flocks into 2023. 60 million birds. Man. So, <laughs> I don't know how you multiply that in terms of how many eggs. birds, how many eggs per bird. Yeah. But that's going to have a that's going to have an impact. A big impact on the price of eggs. So, folks, if you're wondering about that, it's uh, it's not what you think, which would be Joe Biden's, what I think. On Friday, Midwest large eggs, the benchmark for eggs sold in their shells. You knew that, right? That the uh, Midwest Yeah, large that's eggs. old news to me. I <laughs> keep up on my egg, yeah. my egg business. Midwest now. large eggs, the benchmark for eggs sold in their shells. How do you sell an egg out of its shell? <laughs> I guess that's breakfast at Denny's yeah, yeah. or something, right? Okay. Yeah. So the I mean, benchmark for eggs sold in their shells hit five forty six per dozen, and last year they were a buck seventy a dozen. So that's wow. what I was talking. My wife comes in and says, "Honey, 
These egg prices. Well, eggs are cheap as dirt always, historically. But all of a sudden, well, you know, when you're talking, they're about uh, three times the price now, a little over that. Uh, so it's because of this avian flu that hurt hit the these uh, poultry folks, these egg folks. And when you have 60 million chickens die, <laughs> buddy, that's a lot of eggs. Yeah. So. So it's uh, cereal for breakfast. Then. I, I don't ever remember hearing of anything like this in in my lifetime up to this point. Ever ever even really thinking about eggs or the price of eggs. So yeah. I'm just all this crazy stuff with food factories burning down and exploding. It's just it's amazing how uh, my mind always goes to in Revelation how you know the world is going to be judged and you find that there's going to be pestilence and there's going to be natural disasters. And it's amazing when we see these things unfold, even in our time right now, how devastating these things can be and how it causes these shortages and these difficulties. Hey, listen, we think we've got control figured out and we're going to just produce eggs. We want to produce eggs and we're going to just run the world the way we want to run the world. And God can say at any moment, nope, Mm. I'm going to interrupt it with this. So So, uh, there's there's nothing that we want to uh, have a perspective on outside of you know outside of scripture outside of God's kingdom right Every, everything fits into that nothing is outside of the realm of we don't God's live in the providence. vacuum of our own yeah. doing yeah. everything is is run by a sovereign sovereign speaking, king speaking of vacuums my wife got a woomba Oh, is that the, uh, the robot little, The vacuum? little thing that drives mm-hmm. itself. Have you seen one of those yeah. things? Yeah. I put on Facebook, this thing has more brains than the space shuttle. <laughs> I mean, it can go around the room, figure everything out. It got it went under our table, the kitchen table. And it, I thought, it's stuck. Well, I thought, it can't be stuck. They wouldn't, sell, they wouldn't be able to sell these things if it got stuck under the kitchen table. So I waited and waited, and about five minutes later, out it came. <laughs> Triumphant. <laughs> it's, those things are amazing. So you're the one that brought up vacuums. Don't blame me for going. All right, Home Depot. Uh, nobody cares. I'm uh, I'm uh, making uh, sterilizing this a little bit, throwing some bleach on it. It's not exactly the language he used, but he said, nobody cares. Home Depot found, co-founder slams Americans refusing to work thanks to socialism. So this guy is 93 years old. He's a different mm-hmm. generation. Mm-hmm. He's about to blast on us young whippersnappers. He says, uh, Bernie Marcus, who along with his business partner Arthur Blank, Hit home, uh, built Home Depot into a giant financial success, slammed Americans who don't want to work. Marcus, whom Bloomberg estimates has a net worth of $5.25 billion, but has, with his wife, donated over $2 billion to over 500 organizations through their foundations. I'm worried about capitalism, Marcus stated. Capitalism is the basis of Home Depot, and millions of people have earned this success and had success. I'm talking manufacturers, vendors, and distributors, and people that work for us who have been able to enrich themselves by the journey of Home Depot. That's the success. That's why capitalism works. Marcus continued that thanks to socialism, nobody works. Nobody cares. Just give it to me. Send me money. I don't want to work. I'm too lazy. I'm too fat. I'm too stupid. 
He's hammering us pretty wow. good. He's like old school 93. He's about to die. He doesn't care, right? He's a billionaire. You get a certain attitude, I think, when you when I was a billionaire, I had a bad attitude. And I think this I can understand this guy. But uh yeah, he's like a quintessential American old school. Marcus wasn't worried about any criticism he might elicit about his comments, especially from those he termed You want to guess the word? Go for it. Woke. <laughs> From those he termed woke, he declared, we used to have free speech here. We don't have it. We were just talking about that off mm-hmm. the air. The woke people have taken over the world. You know, I imagine today that they can, can't attack me. I'm 93. Who cares about Bernie Marcus? So uh, he just he just goes after it here, uh, Pastor, and uh, just blasting us for being lazy, wanting to get that check in the mail, not going to work not being uh, responsible for ourselves and our families and so on. And he's he's old school. He and another buddy of his built Home Depot, and everyone has a Home Depot. We have one here. I don't know if Washington County has one. Is there one in Marietta, Tim? Do you know? But um, I don't think there is. But uh, so they built this mega gargantuan company, and they he believes in capitalism. We believe in capitalism because – we believe that it's biblical. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Yes. And it's giving somebody a service or some kind of widget or whatever mm-hmm. uh, for uh, the highest quality at the lowest price mm-hmm. because of the laws built into capitalism and free markets that you have to. It's called competition, right? Yep. Everybody that gives the best service or best widget for the uh, the best quality at the lowest price will succeed. Yeah, and it That's, enacts laws like supply and demand and yeah. all kinds of things that make this whole system work. I think it's built <laughs> and works because it's built on the law of uh, sowing and reaping, of sowing and reaping, mm-hmm. and uh, loving your neighbor as yeah. you love yourself. Um, and that's that's what it forces one to do, not even if we want to, but but competition does that. It, mm-hmm. it says, look, if uh, free markets say, that's why I think they're biblical. They say, look, if you want to succeed, you can do that, but you will you will serve your fellow man to the best of your ability mm-hmm. if you want, and, and you will be rewarded more than anybody and else. And I think the models that exist in our free market society today uh, the best representations of them follow that pattern. I mean, when you look at the king of, of, of fast foods right now, Chick-fil-A, you know, multi. in and out Burger. in and out Burger. Yeah, these are um, people that. You uh, know, the values match. Hobby Lobby. The, yeah. And uh, here's here's <laughs> Home Depot guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't sound like a Christian, but he understands Christian principles, mm-hmm. even if he doesn't know what they are. But he's, you know, he believes in hard work. And capitalism and, and serving your customer, and that's loving your neighbor, right? How much time we got, Tim? 39 minutes. We got 39 minutes left, so yes. we're going to bump out of this, come back. We're going to talk a few minutes, Pastor, about uh, about the football game the other night between the Bills and the Bengals, make a few cultural observations about America, and get a little bit controversial with them. That's the fun part. If you're not being controversial, <laughs> yeah. what fun is life, right? Uh, Jesus was controversial, mm. wasn't he? All right, you're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show with Mike Gazinger and Brian Leversey. We'll be right back.
A portion of today's programming on Praise FM 103.9 and Faith Talk 1450 is brought to you by Mel's Diamond House. Mel's Diamond House proudly offers only the highest quality jewelry at the most affordable prices. Mel's Diamond House is a family-owned business and service is their number one priority. Mel's Diamond House strives to develop strong relationships with all of their customers and they'll do whatever it takes to meet the customer's jewelry needs. Mel's Diamond House is located at 2651 Grand Central Avenue in Vienna and their phone number is 304-295-6357. We're thankful for all our friends at Mel's Diamond House and their faithful support of listener-supported Praise FM 103.9 and Faith Talk 1450. Hi, this is Brian Leversee, Senior Pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I would love to invite you to come and worship with us. Our services are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then again in the evening at 6 p.m. We have our Sunday school programs at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 p.m. Exciting things are happening at Fellowship Baptist, and I would love to see you there. God bless. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger with Pastor Brian Leversey. We're talking about culture, history, current events from a biblical perspective. You had a good discussion on the price of eggs last segment. <laughs> and uh, what else did we talk about? Um, oh, Home Depot. The guy that started Home Depot hammering on us lazy generation folks. He's 93 and letting it fly on people not going to work. Uh, what do you think, Pastor? Just quickly, uh, you mentioned we talked about the price of eggs and, and these birds died. Sixty million birds died from mm-hmm. avian flu. You brought a interesting perspective from the biblical perspective on that, and uh, so here we have uh, all kinds of industry businesses that can't find workers. What's that? Where's that come from? Why all of a sudden? Because that's, that's not something that's slowly increased. I think that was something that abruptly entered into the whole culture. I think there just seems to be a preparation on the world scene for this. You know, it, It's funny. They've even had to come up with different terms for this type of stuff. They call it quiet quitting. You know, People just basically giving up in life and not putting any effort to it mm-hmm. and then just expecting wow. to continue to move forward. And I think we see uh, people losing their own individual uh, identity. It's getting absorbed in this uh, cultural conglomeration where you fit in with herd mentality. Uh, you respond to crises in a, in a way that is pre-programmed and pre-laid out. It, it eliminates a lot of the sovereignty that we have given to us by God in his image. And what we find is we find a people who are unable to really sustain work, unable to sustain any original new ideas. People are caught up in technology and caught up in philosophies that basically make their decisions for them. And and it's an interruption between the relationship of God and man. And, and I think that all of this that's going on, the onsets of these... Um, uh, you know, pandemics and uh, avian flus. And I think this is just all building to this last times 
stuff that we read about in the mm-hmm. book of Revelation. And I just see the world every day being prepared for that. And and I think we need to start talking about that from the pulpits of America. We need to start talking mm-hmm. about that as Christians in, in conversations with people we get into, because we need to get people the gospel. I yes. mean, we're, we, we're at that time, I believe, where where the, the Lord's return is soon and imminent, mm-hmm. and the, the whole world stage and, and mentality of the world's being conditioned and set up for that, I believe. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that heavy yesterday. Just the Lord's convicting me about not getting the gospel out as much as I, I should. I have a buddy from Bible college who several years ago, he's, he's a soul winner, like soul winner, soul winner. And um, he called me up, and he, he has different people do um, like a, a video on on their their testimony of how they came to Christ. And he lives in Indiana, and he asked me to do one as a state senator. And I thought, yeah, that, you know, I'd love to do that. And he, so he drove from Indiana. Wow. He and his wife stayed overnight at our house and and uh, set it all up in, in our living room. And I, I did like a 10-minute testimonial. Well, it took a couple, couple years because people that were helping him quit and, and left and all that. But he just now, the other day, he said, look, I got it up. We got it going. He sent me a text. He said, hey, you're getting listened to in the Philippines. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, praise God. And so, you know, I, was, I, and I I'm a track giver out. I give out yeah. tracks. I keep yeah. one in my truck, and I should be a lot better than I am. But I do do that. But, man, the Lord's just – Really, just the last couple of days, wow, uh, you know, we do need to get the gospel out. Yeah. And I certainly need to, I need to up my game on that. People, people, I was watching that video we were talking about, Pastor, uh, uh, the Jesus People uh, revival in California that I saw this mm-hmm. video. 250,000 people came to Christ back in the 70s. And uh, uh, man, they were just on fire for Jesus. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's what we need to, to really be people mm. will be going to heaven or hell forever, yep. and uh, Lord have mercy on me for sure. So we were so anyway. Back to the football game. Let's make a few a few observations on this. And Tim, you can chime in on this too if you want to. But um, uh, so we were watching the football game with my wife, watching the Penn State game. On came the Bills and the Bengals game. Well, I wasn't really paying attention, didn't care about the game, but it was on. And looked up from what I was reading and. All these players around the guy, and I thought, uh-oh. But it was even worse because usually these guys get up, they're okay. Rarely do they have a life-altering right. injury. Um, but DeMar Hamlin, uh, you know, we didn't know if he was dead or alive. Mm-hmm. They were doing CPR on him, and and the whole the whole stadium was silent. And I thought to myself – uh, that says, let's just talk about the good part first. That says a lot about America. We're, we're, hmm. we're bad in many, many ways, but we do care enough about life to where we see somebody on the field laying on their back. Hmm. That matters to us, yeah. you know, and the whole country started praying, no doubt. And I've always appreciated that about watching sports is even in much less injuries – Regardless if it's your team that you're cheering for or not, when somebody goes down, there's usually a genuine feeling, it seems like, of concern from from the audience that's watching. And and when that player gets up, there's usually applause and there's usually a a feeling of comfort that people want to give to each other. And it's just, it's neat to see that kind of connection come from people. And you saw that uh, at the game, these Bills players with tears in their eyes and, you know, their their buddy was... 
they didn't know if he was alive or dead. I thought, you know, because they were going eight, nine minutes of CPR, and, and, and around 10 minutes, it's over, you know, mm-hmm. forget it. But uh, they were, I guess, slamming on his chest, I heard. Uh, and ambulance came on the field. That's un- – the word you kept hearing is unprecedented. Hmm. Never happened before. And then they went to the Monday night, <laughs> these three uh, people that were the uh, – this gal and two guys. And and uh, so, so uh, man, everybody – so here's, here's the thing I'm asking. And I asked a buddy of mine at lunch today who played Division One football what he thought. He didn't want to go near the question, but um, – uh, the good thing is America stood stood quiet was by nature just you know alerted to something bad happening and 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 just became quiet by nature like something very bad is happening here and we knew by nature uh, natural law that God given to us that that a life was in danger and that matters mm-hmm. so. My question to my buddy at lunch and somebody else I asked is that 50 years ago, after this gentleman, this guy was taken care of, and off the, would they still have played? Would they still have played the game? And, uh, Tim, I think you brought up somebody, and I would seen this somewhere before, but somebody had had died on the field before, yeah, on um, the football field. Yeah, it happened – Happened back in 1971. A guy named uh, Chuck Hughes. He uh, middle middle of a game. He he uh, had a massive heart attack, and um, he died right there on on the field. They uh, took him off, and they continued to play. And what year did you say that was? 1971. And who who what were the teams? Was uh, he was on the Detroit Lions, and they were playing against the Chicago Bears. Yeah. So, so that's fascinating. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, virtue signal, signaling and how how you know we're we're supposed to react to something like this. And I saw that on the announcers. It was like uh, not, not the so they had the main announcers that announced the game. Then they had the halftime crew, which is two former ball players and a and a female gal and. Uh, I just couldn't help but thinking, Pastor. They're just—they are—they are very concerned. But is everybody like overly concerned? To—I don't mean overly concerned. I mean, are they concerned to the point that they want people to see how concern, concerned they are? Yeah, it's kind of like we've made a spectacle in our culture today of everybody's reactions to things. Uh, we are more concerned with the reaction than we are the cause. And I think that flows from a sense of not knowing order anymore. We're not a people of order. We're a people of emotion, of uncertainty, of panic. Of uh, we, And I think that starts, and I don't mean to go too far afoot in this, but I think that starts with the dissolving of initial order in the first place. You see, we, we come from a culture that focuses on the randomness of life and 
um, the outcroppings of life without ever being concerned with the source of life. You know, it's marred in billions and billions of years of evolutionary process that nobody can figure out truly or explain completely. But we do have a God of order. And when we follow the order, it gives everybody purpose. And what you probably saw some 30 years ago when a similar occurrence happened is you you saw the fact that, okay, we're here on purpose. We're observing a game. The game has inherent risks. People get injured, uh, and we've got processes for that. And we bring them the care that they need, and we escort them from the field, and we move on with the overall purpose of why we're here. And in our culture, historically, what we've done is whenever anything has gone tragic, we do value that, and we do pay the proper attention to it, but we show strength and solidarity in moving on with our core purpose. Now, I realize we're talking about sports, and you know, we can argue about whether there's a high calling in sports or there's not, but I believe there's a high calling to the living out of our roles of life, you know? We are, we are called into the stream of life. We're fathers, we're mothers, we're plumbers, we're lawyers, we're football players. We have a purpose and a job to do. And the consensus was is that the, 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 the whole is greater than, 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 than the parts. And, and we're all in this together to see something happen. But now we so individualized our responses and our our observance of each person's individual feelings and responses that we can't even move on with life until we have um, basically uh, amplified each individual's response and feeling about a situation. Mm -hmm. I think this is hampering um, corporations. I think this is hampering our economic systems. I think this is hampering our churches. I think this is hampering our families. Is we no longer identifying with our core purpose and callings? We are caught up in that very. And I'm not minimalizing the situation at all whatsoever. I don't think anything that happened that night was wrong or out of out of order per se. Mm. I just think we don't know how to handle things anymore. We don't have ourselves tied to the to the overall purpose and callings and and we want to get caught up in the moment and in the detail of everybody's individual feeling. No, we're here for a reason. Things can go wrong at any moment, but we still have to push forward with what's taking place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and everyone, I think, collectively understood uh, how bad of a situation was. But th- there's also something to the fact of, uh, are people watching how I'm reacting and I want people to see how much empathy I'm showing. Yeah. And that happens, I think, just systemically through the culture now. We're not just talking about a guy who very hurt very badly on the football game, on the football field, but I'm not, not talking about that either. I think that there was uh, a, a part of that. One of my favorite authors was a, a female gal who named Florence King. He used to write, write for National Review. She was not a believer by any sorts, but very conservative in her belief system and she could write like just unbelievable uh so i used to co- correspond with her every once in a while her stuff was so good i would just had to tell her and she would always send back a little note on a three by five card that's how she wrote and signed it florence king uh but she made a point in one of her articles one time pastor she said i've noticed that in a, a culture that no longer believes in absolutes how often we use the word absolutely Mm-hmm. because we know 
in in our psyche, if you like, for lack of a better term, that we have to have absolutes and we can't function without them. And while we're destroying them, we're at the same time saying absolutely, yeah. because <laughs> right. we have to have that foundation somewhere, or we're just sinking. Yeah. And uh, uh, I was I was telling off off the uh, off the air. I was talking to. Tim and, and Pastor here about a video I saw of this little girl. Uh, it was at a football game, and she was. You, you've seen those the kids that have my my boys used to do this. Have a bottle of uh, bottled water and throw it up in the air to flip, and they tried to get it to land. You know, upright. Yes. Yeah. So this little girl did that. She's five, you know, four maybe, and it was cute, and it was an accomplishment. But everybody near her just started screaming in approval it was it was like she had saved the world and so i made a comment about that and something to that effect because i thought it was absurd and i thought nobody else is going to say something but i'm going to say something and you should have seen the reaction i got to it because because i think that we've killed absolutes so bad and we've killed virtue so bad that when we see the slightest act of virtue, we want to call them a hero or a super a superhero. Mm-hmm. We're obsessed with superheroes in the culture, Pastor, because we've we have destroyed any virtue or any act of yeah. of virtue. So when somebody displays it, we go crazy. Yeah. Well, and I want to get back to to that point I was making too: is virtue comes from order. God has built virtue into the order that he has created. And so when we do away with order, virtue signaling becomes our new order. Mm. So instead of order flowing from design, we now have so-called order flowing from virtue signaling and virtue signalings connected to people's own individual feelings. It's what the Bible calls each man doing that which is right in his own eyes. So so we don't have a consensus on what a hero looks like anymore. We have to make it up in the moment of when we notice what we feel is virtuous about something. Mm. The Bible defines virtue. The Bible talks about things like wisdom. The Bible talks about things like loveliness and holiness. Mm. And these are the things that that actually composite or make up virtue. In the absence of that kind of order, uh, we're left to, to, to sift through the moments of life to try to cobble together whatever we can feel is virtuous so at the time. So is it Romans 10 or 12 that says that they rejected God's righteousness, so they went about to uh, create their own righteousness? Yeah. So everybody has to have a righteousness, yeah. even in this... Even in this uh, but it becomes fig leaves, right? It's fig so leaves. So at yes, some point, is. we just start sewing together yeah. these fig leaves, and if it looks like a, a kid throwing a bottle of water, or if it looks like me over-empathizing with a singular situation... And my fig leaf is my own fig yeah. leaf, and your fig leaf so is your So I fig mourned leaf. better than you did, or mm-hmm. I applauded louder than you did, yeah. or I uh, went to, to bat for this person more than you did. Yeah. Instead of having an order that helps us to respond appropriately in every situation. Yeah, or I noticed something you didn't notice. I remember one I saw this gal uh, filming some guy doing a, an act of, uh, of uh, you know, brotherly kindness to somebody anonymously. But this lady was filming him because she wanted to be the one that recognized him doing it. That's why she did it. 
<laughs> but uh, I get so many likes for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and she, I no doubt she did. But I knew the gals. But I was going to put. Why don't you just leave him alone? Let him be. Let him do something nice for somebody without our having to interject ourselves into it, so that we can become the center of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's uh, creating our own our own righteousness, which we have to do when we reject God's righteousness. Mm-hmm. All right, so we got one more segment left, folks. You're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Up next, we're going to talk about moving in together doesn't match the financial benefits of marriage, but why? So um, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, bring this story, let Pastor interject in and out of it. It will be interesting. Wall Street Journal story. This isn't even from a Christian outlet. This is wall street journal which can oftentimes be quite unchristian but here they bring a good story you're listening to the voice of truth radio show we'll be right back a portion of today's programming on praise fm has been brought to you by an underwriting grant from levitt funeral home Levitt Funeral Home is the Valley's only locally owned multi-generational home. Five generations of the Levitt family have been involved in serving the community so that families can do business with someone they know, someone they can depend on. Levitt Funeral Home can offer information on grief resources, ideas on planning a funeral service or a memorial service, as well as information about their products and services and ways to bring families and friends together through their online obituaries, email condolence program, and information for families about the Levitt Family Center. Levitt Funeral Home has been serving the Valley for over 130 years with two locations in Parkersburg and Valpre. The phone number for Levitt Funeral Home is 422-6459. We are thankful for John and Stephen Levitt of Levitt Funeral Home for their support of listener-supported Praise FM Radio. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Hazinger with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. And Timothy Dowler is producing the show uh, quite well, I think, Pastor. Don't I you think, think so. I, I give mean, him an A. a. Plus. He didn't bring coffee or donuts. We are going to be celebrating our second year anniversary before our third year anniversary. We're going to get that That's in. That's our plan anyway. <laughs> That's and the I plan. think we can do it. We did We had. We did have a two-year anniversary of the Voice, Voice of Truth radio show back in November. Tim figured it out within a week, right? November 6th or something was our first show several years ago. We kept planning on having coffee and donuts from Tim Hortons or Dunkin' Donuts yeah. or somewhere. And uh, then, you know, it's the holidays. Everyone's like, I won't be here this week. And you pass it all fell road. apart. It is just too many so, excuses. Honestly. So we will do it before our third anniversary <laughs> sometime, maybe July or something. All right. Wall Street Journal moving in together doesn't match the financial benefits of marriage, but why? It's a good little story. Julia Carpenter is the author. She says a walk down the aisle can be a route to greater wealth and prosperity for couples in the U.S. Married people have higher net worths and are more likely to be homeowners than their unmarried counterparts their age are. The mystery, though, is why cohabitating, uh, Lars Schlesinger calls it uh, shacking up, <laughs> but now we call it cohabitating because we want to sanitize every bad word that makes us feel bad. The mystery, though, is why cohabitating but unmarried couples 
they're living together, not married, struggle to build wealth in the same way. So the, the whole thesis of the story is, look, if you get married, you'll, you will save more money, acquire more wealth than if you live together. That's what they're saying. As of 2019, the median net worth for cohabitating couples ages 25 to 34 was $17,000, roughly. So, 2019, this is saying that uh, couples that lived together between the ages of 25 to 34 uh, were had a net worth of $17,000. Um, that was one-fourth of the $68,000 for married couples. So, 25 to 34 married couples worth $68,000. Couples living together worth $17,000, one-fourth. Why is that? And that is uh, from the Federal Reserve Bank. Singles, by the way, is $7,000. So two is better than one, I guess, even if it's... All right, so let me continue here. Um, Many young couples now approach marriage as a capstone. Listen to this, Pastor. Even... Um, as a capstone event, said Andrew Churlin, professor emeritus of sociology and public policy at Johns Hopkins. He studies marriage. If you build an arc or an arch, if you build an arch, the cornerstone is the first piece you put in, and the capstone is the last. What this means is people see an economic bar that they need to clear before they get married. Couples wait until they have good jobs, a car that won't break down, maybe even a house. Then they get married. Marriage is the capstone, the last one. They get everything. Now, there's something to be said for that, financially and stability and all that. But in the old days, you know, couples got married. They fell in love. Hey, look, we're going to make it. You know, yeah. uh, we're going to we're gonna be committed. We're going to stay together. Yeah. And we don't have to have, you know, houses today are twice the size of houses in the 1940s. And uh, that's why, you know, you have two couples going to work, the baby stays in daycare, doesn't stay with mama, and um, uh, we get our big house and our big nice car. Melissa Mowry, a 30-year... Now, here's something interesting, uh, Pastor. Here's Melissa Mowry. I'm not picking on Melissa. She's like many, many people in America. But she was... uh, She's the story... The little story we're going to get into here with her live-in boyfriend. And they are the cover photo is her and her boyfriend... Cover photo on their front porch. The picture of those two holding each other, you know, arms around each other. There is, we talked about this uh, yesterday, uh, a, a group of us, but uh, in terms of, of drugs and, and the advertisements of, uh, on, you hear on TV or on the radio about don't stigmatize folks that are addicted to mm-hmm. drugs. They have a disease, right? No, they don't. They are addicted to drugs. So you, we have removed the stigma from people living together, getting g- girls uh, getting pregnant outside of marriage. The stigma is gone. So to the point where a couple living together are not ashamed to be on the uh, cover photo of a Wall Street Journal a national newspaper mm-hmm. photo. What's right. that say? All right, let me keep going here. Melissa Mowry, a 30-year-old communications manager in Asheville, North Carolina, has been with her boyfriend for four, uh, living together for four years. They don't, uh, the two don't share a joint bank account, 
but they split the cost of rent and other bills. Even so, Ms. Mowry said she can't make sense. Listen to this, Pastor. Here's the key point here. Ms. Mowry says she can't make sense of the financial gap between her relationship and that of married couples. She can't figure out why her average, uh, how her and her boyfriend have 17000 in the bank and the couple across the street, the same age that are married, have $68,000 in the bank. That invisible hand, right, that God <laughs> comes in and, and blesses yeah. one and doesn't bless the other. Um, By design. By design. We're already saving a lot of money and splitting the costs on most things, she said. I don't understand how married couples are accum- accumulating wealth in a way that we're not doing. Hmm. <laughs> well, I've got uh, some ideas about it. And again, I've not processed this through a statistics you know, um, process to, to come up with any kind of scientific methodology for, for the conclusions. But mm-hmm. I think principally speaking, the reason why you see such a disparity is, is the difference between consumerism and, and investment. You see, when people view their relationship as a non-committal relationship, we're not going to get married. By nature, they're entering into a consumer-type relationship. What, what, what can I get out of this? This person gives me enjoyment. This person gives me fulfillment. But I don't want to invest in it by covenanting together with this person and promising certain things about myself. I just want this to be casual and easy. And as, as we can work it out, we'll be together. But there's something in a person's mentality that shifts when they have to put themselves in the position of sacrifice. And and that is what the marriage relationship calls two people to do. It doesn't call two people to come together to be two people. It calls two people to come together to be one pe- person. Mm. Two shall become one is what the Bible mm-hmm. says. A man will leave his father and mother and will cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. That is a investment. The two becomes one because you're invested 100% in each other. Now, if you maintain a consumer mentality, that's going to that's going to permeate all of your life and decisions. Um, when you come together to become one with one person, it matures you. It changes your your uh, viewpoint. It changes your mentality, and and you start valuing life differently because your life is now enveloped in a other person's life. You've invested in that life together. It's the same thing when you start having children. Having children continues to build out that design of God's family, and you make different, more mature decisions based upon your sacrifice for the whole instead of what you can get out of a situation. And I think that that will cause uh, this disparity that you see between couples that just live together outside of marriage. It's a consumer relationship versus an invested, committed covenant relationship of entering in as one, two becoming one in the covenant of marriage. I think that that makes a big difference in that whole outlook. Very good. Very interesting. Uh, so uh, they, she makes this point, I think. This is the same gal living with her boyfriend. She says there seems to be something very special and unique about deciding to share finances. So so who shares finances? You know, if you're married, you're going to share finances. If you're not married, you're going to look at the the person you're living with and and think, look, there's there's not been any, any commitment by either side. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep my money. Yep. You keep your money, and uh, we'll just go along here, see how things go. And when it doesn't work out, which it probably won't, then I'll take my money, you take yours. And when you put it together and – 
two become one, then God comes in. Yeah. And that's where God's blessing comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, unmarried couples may be less willing to commingle their money, said Professor Garbinski. Our money, our income represents a huge part of who we are, she said, sharing that can be scary for people, so they tend to be very protective. So if if And it's not even sharing. When two become one, see, that's a problem with marriage today, too. And I think the reason why even marriage ends in divorce uh, so often is because there's not that, that covenant of two becoming one. Mm. It's it's just a different arrangement of, of two people living together in separate lives. And it's not sharing. You know, people have this idea of 50-50 relationship, and that's how a marriage works. Marriage only works if it's 100%, 100% yeah, because relationship. there's one, not two. There's one, not two. You don't have a 50-50. You have one, which makes up the 100%. So, um, you know, that that's a big key difference in biblical marriage and secular view of marriage. The Bible says when Adam and Eve got together, he said their name was called Adam. Yeah, yes. It wasn't Adam-Eve. No. Right? There was no hyphen. Hyphen. The two two became one. If you're one, then you just need one name, not a hyphen name. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, uh, where was I? Both married and unmarried couples who do pull finances... uh, also experience greater relationship satisfaction and may even stay together for longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funny how how uh, the world eventually swerves back into to biblical principle. The long, you know, it's like evolution. You know, you can't get away from order and design. You you can you can't get away. From Otherwise, it. you have chaos, yes. and that's that's eventually people recognize chaos and. Hopefully, that's what brings them back into an understanding of the Lord. Because nobody wants to live in chaos. No. Right? I mean, not by not by nature. Uh, so anyway, I thought that was uh, I thought that was very interesting. Um, I was trying to see if there was one more. Uh, anyway, this is. Uh, Anyway, that's all. There's a few other, few other points on that. So, we have got uh, we got a few minutes left. So we're going to cut out of this, and uh, we'll have a story or two on the last break, uh, the last segment of the Voice of Truth Radio Show with Mike Azinger. We got Brian Leversey, my co-host, with me also, and we'll be right back. A portion of today's programming on Praise FM is brought to you by Bonds Drugs of Vienna. Bonds Drugs is a locally owned and operated Health Mart pharmacy, proudly serving the Mid-Ohio Valley for the fourth year in a row as best pharmacy medical supply. As reported in the News and Sentinel Reader's Choice publication, Bonds Drugs of Vienna is conveniently located by Grand Central Mall in the Mid-Ohio Valley Medical Complex at 800 Grand Central Avenue. Bonds Drugs of Vienna is open Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. and Saturday 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. The phone number for Bonds Drugs of Vienna is 304-295-7356. We are thankful for Dan and Brandy Bond of Bonds Drugs of Vienna for their faithful support of listener-supported Praise FM Radio. 
Hi, this is Brian Leversee, Senior Pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I would love to invite you to come and worship with us. Our services are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then again in the evening at 6 p.m. We have our Sunday school programs at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 p.m. Exciting things are happening at Fellowship Baptist, and I would love to see you there. God bless. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. This is Mike Azinger, your co-host. You're listening to the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. And my co-host, I'm the host, my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. Uh, we got just a couple minutes left here, according to Tim Daller. And uh, so I just want to bring up again, we may have talked about this, Tim, when your dad was with us, but uh, Kirk Cameron, I uh, wrote a children's book, Christian book. We love Kirk. Yeah. We love his sister. His sister went to Great American Family, um, uh, a new uh, a new channel, and it's growing like crazy. Mm. She said, uh-uh, we're just doing Christian stuff or, you know, not, a, not bad stuff. Right. And it's growing like crazy. God bless him. Kirk Cameron, um, 52-year-old actor from Growing Pains, I think. Is that the show? I never watched it, but I love Kirk Cameron. Every Christian does, really. So he writes this book. I've lost the story, but I, I know it. So he writes this children's book. Everybody, uh, He's getting turned down by like 50 libraries. No, you can't come here. We'll have the LGBT. You want yeah. your kids to listen to a transgender. Story time with a... Uh, what do they call story, them? Stri- drag, uh, drag queens. Queen. Drag queen story hour. Yeah, we'll do that, but don't bring a God book in yeah, here. Wow. And by the way, the local libraries have this garbage also. They don't know drag queens yet, but these horrible books, and I know it for a fact. Yeah. Um, so they back down because Kirk Cameron said, well, I'm going to sue you in a nice way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to sue you if you don't. And he shows up, and over 2,000 supporters, Christian-loving, uh, God-loving people came to hear him. He had to read it twice. He did it to one big group of hundreds, and mm. then they left, and then he read it again to another big group. And people showed up, praise God, to support Kirk Cameron. Yeah, that's and a good story. It's yeah. a great story. And we need to have that kind of influence in the public sphere. And he just stood up for God. You know, when yeah. you stand up for God, you think these bad things going to happen. Sometimes you get you can get some some heat. Yeah. But uh, man, just stand up for God. That's right. And do it. You know. Yeah. Uh, but you mentioned uh, you were just showing. Uh, Tim well, it's that, because that, you know I think a lot of this pushback is because the God of the age has become this this total attack on identity, and you know that's obviously seen with the LG. BTQ, how many ever other letters now we're adding to this thing. And um, I know that they continue to modify even their flag. I, I have to vet it out a little bit. I'm not sure uh, all of the different storyline behind this, but uh, I was going through my news feed on Twitter and somebody had posted how they had added um, kind of a an umbrella, which typified sex workers onto that. And, and, and that's been kind of the feeling that you've gotten from this whole drag queen movement and uh, transgender movement is the, is the sexualization of children. And it just seems like they're continuing to push that really unabated. It's just like it's flowing into acceptance in our culture. And, uh, and to just kind of show the demonic influence behind this, uh, on this flag now, you have six bands of color representing the rainbow for diversity. You've got the six panels of this umbrella representing the sexualization of children. Mm. And you have six um, 
basically hex or uh, uh, pyramids at the head of this flag representing the different flows of of transgenderism and and so on and so forth and i don't even know that the people making these designs really even pick up on what's going on but the inherent nature and the demonic nature of this you know it's it's like 666 written all over this flag it's unbelievable yeah so that is that is incredible um an encouraging thing (coughs) is that you're starting to see pushback on this yeah these little girls that were carved up by these doctors Remove, you know, they're 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 uh, you know having breasts removed, just sickening stuff that will never never will never be able to change back. Mm. So they're suing and yeah. they're going public, and you're seeing uh, you're seeing some some pushback. There's a Navy SEAL who several years ago, uh, he's a SEAL Team Six. Mm. That's like the top dogs, and he uh, is a SEAL Team Six guy. Became, went transgender. He transitioned, mm. and he is. Now detransitioning and coming public with it, he says, "Don't believe a word of it." Wow! Don't believe a word of it. And there's a picture of him here, transition. You know, here he is. He looks like a woman, but dude, he's SEAL Team Six. He's a man's man, hmm. and he said, "I got fooled. I got lied to." And he obviously had some kind of issue sexually. That happens. Mm-hmm. We're we're fallen yeah. creatures, right? Yep. And he was given bad advice. That's why, man, you know, you just got to go to God yeah. with this stuff and find out and get help. That's where you get my help is from comes from above. Yeah, that's what David said. That's where our help needs to come from above. And um, oh, there's another one story here. Um, anyway. I can't find it, but so let's just okay, real quickly. What do we got, Tim? Less than two minutes. So Hollywood, and here's another good story. Hollywood lost more than five hundred billion dollars in market value hmm. in 2022. Yeah, why? Because Disney a big part of that. Disney's too. huge. Yeah, Disney's been creamed. Oh man, they, they had went, to pull in their their old CEO again because yeah, they fired the guy and pulled in the other guy, and uh, because they're all going woke, they're going and woke is just you know. It's just the avenue and vehicle for bringing in all this confusion and uh, uh, chaos that we're seeing in our world. So we just need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But uh, anyway, so we're done for the day. Praise God for truth. Amen. Scripture. Amen. And I appreciate you, Pastor, standing up for God. and. We just need more like you. All right. This is the Voice of Truth Radio Show, the only show in the in the nation, in the world. Just say it, universe. Universe, <laughs> where you'll experience the fusion of church and state. So thanks for tuning in, folks. Stay tuned uh, for more great stuff on Praise FM, and we'll be back uh, next week, Thursdays at 5, Saturdays at 3. Have a great day. I will choose to listen in.